What's up everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vane Whitetail Series and this is the beginning of the end. This is the start of the late season segment. We got 8, 9, 10 episodes coming out on the late season. If you're like me, you didn't kill in the pre-rut or the rut or the early season. Now we're on the late season and it can be a real grind, but at the same time, deer are still plentiful. Um, they're still active in daylight hours and it's arguably one of the best times to kill a mature deer just because there's so much scarcity around. So... Um, it should be, I've already had recorded a couple of these podcasts and they've been awesome, really helpful, very useful for me personally, and I hope they are for you as well. As always, this podcast has been sponsored by Onyx and Arrow Hunter Saddles. I really appreciate their support. So if you guys could show them some support, that would mean a lot to me. Um, Arrow Hunter Saddles, it's a tree saddle. Um, saddle hunting is a real, getting real popular right now. I use that saddle probably 50, 60% of the time. Um, I'm out when I'm out trying to be mobile, um, it's just so much easier than carrying a stand and sticks. It, it really is. I just put up four sticks and then I stand on the top stick and I'm ready to rock. Um, and you can pretty much get into a lot of different trees and it's just, it's a, it's a good system. If you're trying to be mobile and especially late season, you may need to be mobile because food sources will change. Bedding areas will change and you got it. You have to hunt the hot sign in late season. Um, cause it's, likely the only sign that you're going to find. So being mobile um, is very, very big in the late season. And uh, if you're ever looking into those saddles, look at Arrow Hunter saddles. As far as Onyx goes, you know, they're the GPS mapping app, show private public land boundaries. Uh, they give you waypoints, topo maps, hybrid maps, satellite maps. Um, you can track your distances, all sorts of things. I even use it for running when I go for runs. I'll just track where I go and it'll give me times and distance and all that stuff. So please go check out Onyx Maps and Arrow Hunter Saddles if you guys are in the market for either of those uh, categories. All right, let's get into it. Hey everyone, got Alex Comstock on. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast, he's been on before. It's Whitetail DNA. He's you're a writer, you're a videographer, photographer, hunter yourself, just all sorts of stuff going on in the fall. And uh, we're going to, today we're going to cover a couple things. Uh, Alex just got back from a pretty intense Nebraska trip that was very eventful and very saddening at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then also we're going to roll that into like late season, second rut, um, and how to, if you haven't filled your tag yet, what your best odds are and how you can kind of uh try to find some success in the late season so alex um first thing tell people kind of um i know it's whitetail dna is that just instagram and facebook or what is that yeah instagram facebook and you know you know whitetaildna.com you got blog posts there even though i've kind of slacked on the writing this year and then uh if you go to youtube i just you know i'm uploading videos pretty much every week so yeah that's the spot youtube yeah yeah go yeah. watch his go watch his hunts there <laughs> yeah exactly go watch subscribe <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> get those thumbs up yep um yeah so let's start let's start with your nebraska trip i mean i watch the stories like every day but you you lay it out man yeah it's kind of an interesting like double-edged sword in a weird way because when it went into the nebraska hunt well i was super excited for it really was looking forward to going there. And then I had the possible running with COVID and staying with family, then didn't know if I was going to be able to go there and got tested was negative. So then like I had actually left a day later than originally planned, but 
as soon as that okay. negative test came back, I was in the truck and gone. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm packed and ready to roll yeah, when this thing exactly. rolls in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because um, I hunt down there with my cousin, and so then I stay with my cousin, my aunt and uncle, all that good stuff. So Sure. And then the week, you know, on a kind of a big, you know, overview scale was like just a crazy week of hunting. I mean, I had more mature buck encounters in a week than probably any week of hunting in my life, to be honest. I mean, every day it was multiple uh, encounters I ended up seeing you know we'll get into I'm sure the story is a little bit deeper but one of the days I saw the biggest buck of my life um, and long story short after multiple screw-ups and if it could have went wrong it did I ended up not feeling a tag so ah, um, so what week you said is the best week of your life like what week of the year was that was it the first week in November or what so um, so what I would have left on um, hold on. Sorry. I'm, my screen just went black here. My bad. No worries. All right. There we go. Um, so I would have left on November 8th and then I hunted the 9th through the 15th down there. Okay. So not, I mean, that's one week. I mean, most people plan like the first through the 10th, right? Yeah. If they do yeah. plan something. So it's a yep. little bit later. Right. All right. Um, do you think, do you think, like, I mean, that time frame, just in general, I, I mean, in my opinion, you're kind of looking at um, that first week in November is more bucks are like stuck on does and does are hot and they're in with the does. And then that second week is more of, you know, most of the does, like probably 50% have been bred, 60% have been bred. So there's a little bit more searching. Do you yep. think that played into where a lot of these bucks looking? looking yeah, there was. A lot of the bucks were definitely were either chasing or cruising, you know, I okay. mean, yeah. I'd say, I mean, and, you know, bucks were, were super um, receptive to calling. And so okay. this one spot that I was hunting was up in the timber and it was kind of pretty close to two property edges. And so I was kind of handicapping where I could go from there. Cause a lot of these deer run neighboring properties always right <laughs> and so i i brought in a decoy you know for a hunt and you know one day i guess i'll just jump into this story just to get it over with because i don't really want to talk about it a ton <laughs> um, <laughs> i brought in a decoy and it's kind of like a little open pasture ground on the neighbors which kind of leads into where i was hunting in the timber so it's a big enough opening because you know bringing in a decoy in the timber is kind of um unconventional i guess yeah and yeah, I yeah. thought it could help my efforts. And so I, you know, I hit the horns. Uh, this would have been that Wednesday. So the 10th or 11th or something like that. I'd hit the horns at about four in the afternoon. I see something to my left and I look and, you know, I'm self filming everything. So I get the camera on and I'm trying to film this deer thinking it's probably a buck coming towards me, you know, and I'm looking, looking, can't see anything. Well, then I start to get frustrated. So then I like stand up in the stand and when you're filming, you're like, oh, if you maybe get like a different angle, I'll be able to see it, the viewfinder or whatever, and look at nothing. And so then as I go to sit back down in the sand, you know, and I was like looking way over my left shoulder, so way turned. Okay, so, so yeah, looking back to your left. Right. So I do that big sweeping movement to, you know, because I, I wasn't, I just went to sit down. So it was like a pretty big movement. Yeah. And I, did that, I had a 160 inch 10 pointer postured up head cocked coming into my decoy already at 30 yards i mean and as i made that <laughs> movement to sit down and turn to the face in front of me he looks up and was gone 
and oh man i yeah that was tough that if, is... I if i would have never seen that deer to my left i would have been just sitting probably would have watched him come right in and filmed them come right in and had not say it would have been a done deal but i all i would have do at that point was just had to execute a 30 yard broadside shot and it was coming right. closer so i mean well i'll tell you what i mean that was hard for me last weekend mm-hmm. <laughs> i swung and missed at 26 yards so um, yeah i mean it's, it's but, both. so nothing's nothing's ever certain till you are at the end of a blood trail right right but, yeah exactly that is very true man and we've all kind of been there too. Like, it seems like some deer, like when they walk through the woods, sound like freight trains and yeah. other deer, like how in the hell did you get there without me hearing well, you? And we had just gotten down there. They had just gotten maybe that morning an inch of fresh snow. So it was super quiet in the woods already. Gotcha. And yeah, yeah he snuck right in. I mean, Right. But even, I mean, even then, like it's, it's always, it always amazes me how quiet they are for being a 250, 300 pound, you're a 200 yeah. pound animal, depending on where you are. Like, right. It's always amazing. Like, holy cow. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Yeah. So then he came in, looked up at you. I mean, at least like, at least, you know, the decoy worked. Yeah. I mean the plan, like that's what kills me because I would have came up with like, you know, Hey, let's bring a decoy into the timber and I had to haul it up this, the spot where you're hunting was a bluff and it's just a, it's a terrible walk. I mean, you know, where you're sweating your ass off. And <laughs> so I had hauled, you know, hauling that up with all the camera gear, your bow. I mean, it was a lot of stuff. And then to have it all, you know, work. And then, yeah. and then of course I saw that buck four times over the next three days and never could get a shot at him. Uh, did he ever come closer than 30? or no, that that was the closest i ended up having him the yeah. closest after that was he was pushing a doe at like 70 by me okay yeah that's tough man that is tough um did you try the decoy again i mean did you keep at the decoy yeah i did i did for the next i actually just left it up at this you know would take it down and just kind of put it under the stand um did that for the next couple of days and it would have worked again couple days later i had same thing it hit the horns at so it was like 11 in the morning um because there was a buck across this ravine that i was trying to get to come in hit the horns and all of a sudden behind me all i hear is like sprinting so i know something's coming at me you know and by the time i turned and looked this buck was already at 30 yards coming right in but he caught my he caught my movement again and that was like a nice buck, one that I would have shot, not nearly as big as the other one, but yeah. still. And so then after that happened, I took the decoy down, even though it wasn't the decoy's fault. I was like, <laughs> I got, I just was like, you know what? I'm done calling, done having deer coming in, like looking for something. That is one of those. Yeah. And that's a great point, dude, is because when you call, like deer aren't coming in uh, just like wandering on through, they come in like on high alert looking mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and their sensories are heightened and they're just, they're trying to find something Right. and they'll pick, they'll pick you a lot quicker. And it's right. also amazing like how well they can pick out exactly where a grunt came from. Oh yeah. Like it's For like, sure. they got you within feet. So they know where that came from. And yep. if you're not on your guard or you don't have good cover in the tree or whatever, I mean, you're, you're kind of picked. <laughs> right yeah a lot of the time and yeah i totally agree i think that's like that's probably the main purpose of the decoy though is to kind of like hopefully throw them off yeah i mean it's kind of like turkey hunting right yeah 
try to take their attention away from you yeah but clearly it wasn't working for you no it would have worked on the first one if i was just sitting there (laughs) like normal right but then Uh, i mean everyone's everyone's been there dude where you're like where you look around and you're like oh there's a little scrub buck let me pull out my phone and take a snapchat of it or whatever then you're like oh my god there's a giant (laughs) i mean like that whole week the the amount of things that that made me get just frustrated me i mean the first night you know, I see a small buck, I grunt at it just because I, I didn't know exactly what it was. I grunt at it. Well, then here comes a shooter that ran that off and came right in 30 yards. It was behind me where I couldn't get a shot. And he's just searching, you know, looking for that, where that grunt came from. Yeah. You know, then he ended up walking off a little further. I toss out another one. He immediately snaps his head back up and he's just, just, you know, doesn't see anything and take and doesn't come in. If I were to decoy, on the first night would it have worked perfect you know i mean right. and then when it when it comes to calling another night or another day in the stand i look all around me don't see a deer grab the rattling antlers you know because i'm always you know obviously don't want to hit the horns if you got a deer right there right look nothing all right hit the horns all of a sudden i look and there's a doe running at 40 yards with a big buck behind her and she was coming on a trail right into me <laughs> And I scared her off. And then there's a big buck right behind her. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean. Oh, man. The, the deer gods did not want you to kill, man. No, That's, they didn't. Oh, man. So, like, essentially, opportunity, pseudo opportunities every day and pseudo yep. fuck-ups. <laughs> yeah. It was just, like, it was brutal. I mean, but oh, it, it's, it's weird to me because even though it was brutal, it was, it was, and it makes it, you know, like it was tough on me where I come back home every day feeling defeated, you know? Yeah. Where I was seeing a lot of deer and a lot of good bucks. If that right. same week long hunt and only saw two shooters and the hunting sucked. Yeah. I would have been like long days in the tree, but I probably wouldn't be talking about how brutal it was or how I got my ass kicked. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was very interesting to me where it's like, you know, I've got a couple of people like sending me messages like, dude, you seem like you're complaining quite a bit for seeing all these bucks. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm probably kind of in my little pity party here a little too much, but yeah. I, yeah. That is a big mental aspect to it. Um, Cause it's like, man, you work so hard for the opportunities and then you're like, you're, you're missing on those opportunities and people just mm-hmm. don't get the opportunities. Right. And you're just like, ah, I never get these opportunities. I'm finally getting them and I'm not closing them. Right. You know, like that's, that's the pity party. Whereas people who just don't even get an opportunity, there's no, it's just like, ah, oh, that's hunting. Like it is yeah. like, you know, right. I, I mean, I sat for seven hours a day and I saw a couple deer, no big ones, whatever. Right. But yeah, no, I mean, I would be more upset like in my own head if I had multiple opportunities over multiple days and, and they kept getting messed up for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. how it was for me. And then, you know, right in the smack dab middle of the week, the one that was coming into the decoy perfect would have been, you know, arguably my biggest buck ever. And so when you throw that on top of it, <laughs> that just really kind of crushes Salt in you. the wound, man. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, damn. And it was, it was, I mean, based on your, your Instagram story, it was cold and it was windy. Cold, windy. I mean, the first... First day was rainy, bad, and the second day, I mean, I didn't even wasn't. I got iced out that morning because 
you're talking quarter plus to half inch of ice on everything. I mean, it was wild because it took a full day. Uh, so that was a Tuesday, the ice storm hit. And then I sat through the rest of the ice storm all day, Tuesday. And then Wednesday all day, it was melting. And I have never experienced full trees just going down in the woods because of ice. I mean, it was sounding like bombs going off in the woods. Just and trees would be going down. Dang. Limbs would be going down to the point where that next day, no, it would have been two days later, I think. So it, was, it took a while for everything to come down or for all the ice to melt. I was sitting in my stand. You know, everything was still iced up and shit was just falling down. All of a sudden, I look up because I heard something and this huge limb in the tree I was sitting in was getting ready to break and come down from the ice. And all of a sudden it, it broke and I literally covered my camera and the limb came down and just absolutely drilled my bow, snapped my arrow in half. I mean, what? Yeah, it was. Oh man. Was I did crazy. not see that. That's nuts. That yeah, was crazy. <laughs> yeah. I went, I immediately got, I was like, all right, that ends this morning hunt. So I went, I wanted to go home and shoot my bow you know yeah of course if it's my, oh my gosh that's nuts i mean we all you all sit there everybody knows like i mean in wisconsin during that time frame we just had really high winds you know and you're hearing branches break and stuff like that but we didn't have the ice and man that's nuts yeah you always and, don't want to be that person <laughs> no yeah oh yeah, I, I had never experienced anything quite like that before yeah shoot where are you going to, are you done bow hunting in Nebraska? Or are you going to try to go back? I'd like to go back. We'll kind of see play it by ear. Um, December is pretty busy for me, but I would really like to get back and hunt at least two or they got a, we got a couple spots down there that could be pretty good late season. So kind of just play it by ear, but you know, this is my fourth year of hunting Nebraska and I've yet to fill a Nebraska tag. So I'd really, really like to go down there and just shoot something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I bet. I bet. Thanks. Well, shoot. Um, so then you mentioned, uh, going back down there late season, like what are the, what are the spot? Like, what would the spots be? Like you said, there's a couple spots that could be good late season. How are they good or why are they good? Huge cornfield that just got picked like two days ago. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. There's a, it's a really cool, that what, what we thought was going to be our go-to spot this year. And you couldn't even pretty much hunt it because the corn is standing and you can't get anywhere. And, um, and so we could only hunt one stand on it. And I hunted it one morning and had an all right hunt, but all the, I mean, this cornfield's ginormous, but now that the corn's out, I think that could be a pretty, pretty good late season spot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes me and my, the corn that's on our property or surrounding our property is just got started getting picked yesterday. Nice. So I'm excited about that because I always, that's like, uh, I, you always wonder how much the deer actually are in there. Cause people always say like, well, if the corn's standing, that's where they are. Like, yeah, you got no chance anyway. Yeah. Um, but I always feel like, so you, you know, you almost want to just like st the, some of these fields that are around me are only like 10, 20, 30 acres. Mm -hmm. And you want to just like throw a drone up and just watch how many deer actually come out of that corn. Right. If there are, if there are really like, you know, I'm sure they'll house, you know, a big buck and, and maybe a couple <laughs> does or some bucks and some does, but I just feel 
I feel that it's a misconception that all the deer are in the corn. If yeah. you don't see anything, a lot of people like to go, ah, this corn's standing. I'm not going to see anything. They're all in there and we can't kill them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it can differ too from, it kind of all depends what's around, you know, in addition to that corn, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Much. I mean, cause like in Nebraska, for example, that corn, I mean, there were some mega trails going into the standing corn and, you know, I, I took a couple and just walked a couple and they would go into the standing corn and then just, you know, they're splitting off and they were, I mean, there was clearly quite a few deer using that cornfield. And I think it, you know, like last year, North Dakota, I had some of my worst rut hunting ever. I hunt a river bottom spot. And the only difference that year compared to every other year was all the corn was standing. Yeah. So maybe it was just my excuse. I don't know for that, but. No, yeah, that's what, gotta, that's, that's what I always wonder. Cause I always like, you know, am I picking poor spots for the time of year and for the wind and everything, or is it cause of the corn standing? You know, I always try to look at myself first, Yeah. but no, I totally, I, I would think that, or I mean, well, the numbers last year prove it for Wisconsin gun season, they were down 25% because we had a lot of flooding. A lot yeah. of the corn was standing and we had warmer temperatures. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think there's a lot of validity to the fact that deer will sit in corn and hide in corn and it's hard to kill deer in corn. But I always like to think that they're not in there and I still have hope. <laughs> yeah. And they're, and they're realistically not going to be in there 24 seven. You know what I mean? Right. Like at some point they're going to come to somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Get out, get out of there. Yeah. Um, huh. So essentially like the late season strategy there in Nebraska would be that cornfield sit in the edge of it uh, in a tree stand or a blind and just waiting. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Running cameras okay. beforehand, shifting, you know, probably having a few up and there's a couple corners of the field that are more secluded, hidden from the road, stuff like that, you know, where would kind of help encourage daylight movement. Yeah. A little bit more likely that they're hiding or willing yeah. to come out. Yeah. Um, so then are, when you're setting up on those fields, are you like right on that edge? Are you on the first tree or are you on like the fifth tree, like 10, 15 yards off the edge or? Um, I mean, it depends, but like in that, that instance, like our stands are pretty, pretty close to the edge, just given the trees that we have to choose from, you know, Gotcha. I like to be closer to the edge, you know, but if the better tree with more cover is 10 yards back, I would probably pick that over a tree that you think you might get picked out of right on the edge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the main intent is to, is to shoot the cornfield. Do you ever right? Is that right? The main intent yeah. is to shoot. Yeah. So yeah. then do you ever set up where you can like get the trails that the deer are using on their way to the cornfield? Yeah, that'd be, I mean, you can be, cause like the biggest thing in those instances, especially if there are higher deer numbers, if you think you're going to be seeing a lot of deer is getting that wind right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you trying to play it, so the wind's blowing out, you know, not into the cornfield, well, you don't want to blow in where they're coming from and you know what I mean? You can kind of get yeah, yeah, yeah. Trick, trickier than people think, you know, it's not, Oh, for sure. Like to, if to the, cut it just right. Just to explain this, uh, make sure I'm hearing this right. Like essentially if, if you're in a tree line that runs North South mm -hmm. corn is to your East bedding is to your West. I know this is reverse for you because of the video, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay. but beddings to the West, 
you know, you're thinking, okay, I want a West wind so that they don't smell me on their way out. But then once they right. get in the cornfield, then they're going to smell you and bust right. out of there. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, I can see have that, that right to be able to sh- shoot them coming out or do you want to shoot them when they're in the corn? I mean, it's a little trickier than just, than, than you think maybe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can see that. And that's when you're, you know, maybe in that scenario, you're setting up for like a Southwest wind and you're hoping all the deer are, you know, Southeast yeah. of you or something. Right. Or be down the tree line far enough, or maybe you're on the corner of the field where nothing's going to come out behind you, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And uh, Parker and I, a friend of mine, we were looking at some trails coming out of our, my property the other day. And we're like, yeah, we might be cutting trees down over these trails next year. Yeah. <laughs> Encouraging <laughs> movement elsewhere. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Just because, I mean, those are, you know, like if you're in a spot and um, you have one trail behind you and three trails in front of you, hopefully yeah. the odds are they're going to take the three, three trails, but especially with the season you've been having in Nebraska, it's going to take the one behind you yep. and get your 100%. win. hundred you know, percent. Yeah. If you can close that thing off. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. Um, okay. So then um, aside from <laughs> corn, I mean, are you, do you look at soybeans or oaks or anything like that yet? Or no? I mean, other than like that down in Nebraska where I hunt up here, um, like ag is pretty much not, you know, non-existent. So it changes a lot from where I hunt up here because I'm doing suburban hunting and um, stuff like that. If I'm out in North Dakota. Yeah. And you're in like outside of the twin cities, right? Uh, like Northern Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, Northern I'm like two hours North of the twin cities. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and we've got a city hunt up here. And so it's, I mean, if we can get into that, cause here where I hunt is pretty much completely different than than anywhere else you know what i mean yeah yeah it is it's, it is definitely different because a lot of people don't do city hunts <laughs> yeah except for it's, what is it seek one out of atlanta yeah. who shoot all those giants <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah so then you know like if you're if you go down nebraska or so let's just stay on that topic because i feel like that's a little bit more relatable for people yeah um if you're not seeing them in the fields or they're staying, they're staying back in the woods a little bit more before daylight, are you going to be moving your set back yeah. deeper into the woods? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'll take and, you know, it's simple as, you know, hopefully you've got some solid trails coming out to the food sources and following those back, you know, and hopefully if you can have at least somewhat of an idea of where they're bedding and essentially get between the food and the bed. I mean, it's, it's pretty, simple in theory you know um yeah. you know just kind of like early season you know and applying and actually pulling it off is definitely harder than just saying get between the food and the bed but you know we'll walk those yeah. trails find where there seems to be you know whether it's intersections or so you can hunt more than just one trail you know what i mean yep oh yeah and just just keep pushing back further and further until hopefully you can start getting into deer that are moving in daylight and a lot of times too i'll I'll do that with cameras first, you know, or, or hang back, you know, a ways, say you have a spot picked out and you can hang a spot a ways away to be able to view all that, you know, that way you're not screwing stuff up right away. Sure. The thing about late season too is, you know, I'm way more aggressive during the rut in the fact where if I make mistakes or if deer bust me, I kind of don't care. But when it comes to late season, 
you know, deer pretty, you know, survival goes back to the top of their top of their list. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You, you screw it up. You might only have one opportunity, you know? Yep. Yeah. So sitting back, seeing exactly where they're coming out, what trails they're kind of using and then waiting for the perfect wind to get in there. Like, so you go there Friday night and you don't really, maybe there's like five trails coming out to the field and you're like, man, I don't know which one they're using. So you sit back, figure out which one they're using. Then Saturday night, you go back in and make that kill. Right. Hopefully that's how it's supposed to work. Right. (laughs) Exactly. If you watch it on TV, that's how it'll work. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, yeah, that is a, that's a good, I kind of brought up a one thing that I thought about, which is like, you know, no morning sets. Do you do morning sets in the late season or not really? I will sometimes, but definitely I'm back to focusing on afternoons, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and the thought behind that, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just like deer are making it back to their bed before daylight. Yeah. It's just, you're just more apt to screw things up in the morning. Not saying you can't, you know, some people will say you can't kill deer in the morning. That's like not true at all, but you're just, you're more likely to be able to pull it off successfully in an afternoon. You know, that's how I feel anyway. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it gives you like, gives you more time to get out there, get set, find the right stuff, see the right sign, especially if you're going in somewhere for the first time. Yeah. Um, Do you do a lot of late, like late season scouting? I mean, you kind of wander and look. Yeah. I mean, I'm changing. It's nice because, you know, areas that I hunt even around here now I'm familiar with. So I'm already in the process of moving kind of stuff towards my late season areas, but you know, like where I'm hunting right now, last year was my first time hunting that certain area. And even though it's a, you know, suburban area, the same rules are still going to apply anywhere. I had stand set, you know, had hunted all year. And then as late season moved in, I wasn't seeing shit for deer. So then I started taking a couple days, just scouting, finding food sources, where are they congregating to? Cause you know, and if you've got, depending where you hunt, if you've got conditions such as, you know, like we get a, a shitload of snow. And so yeah. that changes how deer are moving, where they're moving to. And then I set up, you know, based on that. And then actually last year when I killed my buck in December, I had done a hanging hunt the day before, you know, in, you know, it was like the 9th or 10th of December, did a hanging hunt in a spot I'd never been saw a ton of deer and then the next day i went there and was able to kill my buck so yeah and that's how that's how it should work right yeah exactly (laughs) textbook yeah yeah uh write it down on a script and there it is um so a couple things with that one is you guys get a ton of snow and i think that well i want to to stay on this scouting topic i think a lot of people stop scouting Um, yeah and the big thing that I've noticed in late season is really, if you're in them, you're in them. If you're not, you're not like, that yep. is just like how it is, yep. you know, like in the early season, there's so much food, so much bedding, so much browse that deer can kind of live anywhere. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They can survive anywhere. But when you get to late season, specific food sources, specific bedding areas. And especially if you get a lot of snow, I remember you telling me about this last time it was like, a foot deep and there was just a path carved through it yep and there are very specific trails that deer will use at that point to conserve energy yep. and 
And a lot of times, you know, if there is limited food, there's competition for food, like who's going to get out there first. And that encourages that daylight activity. Oh yeah. I mean, that's exactly where I killed my buck last year. I had to get in there at 12, one o'clock because deer were just pouring through at early in the afternoon. Yeah. You know, get out there and get that food. Exactly. Right. And that's one of the things is always, it's always seems like it's those fawns that come through first that those fawns of the year that are like, ah, I get to get up, go get some food. And they're also the ones that bust you when they get downwind of you, mm-hmm. you know, and freak out and whatnot. And you're like, I, I don't want to <laughs> shoot you, but if you keep blowing. Yeah. You make <laughs> you me think, think about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, um, with uh with those like city hunts up north and all that um are you focused i mean is there specific food sources up there as well or are those is that more of like they're going out to like a park to feed or something i don't know how it looks (laughs) yeah it's it's like a mix of there are i mean there's a ton of buckthorn in the areas i hunt okay and so that kind of doubles as really good food and bedding and then there are a lot of, you know, a lot of areas where you have parks and bird feeders and I mean, stuff like that, where you just got to like kind of do your scouting that way, like figuring out where they're feeding, you know, Sure. Um, because it, it can vary from neighborhood to neighborhood or area to area. I mean, really. Yeah, no, I, I, that's true. Um, and then as far as like, the the kind of switching topics here i feel like it also changes a little bit with the crop rotations of those Mm -hmm. fields you know one year you might go here and it's was picked corn this year yeah great um and there were tons of deer and the next year you go there and it's tilled corn and now there's like nothing there or it's like it was planted alfalfa and it was all picked and they're just not really about it right now yeah, when you, yeah, definitely when it comes to crops, it's all about the crop rotations, you know, kind of similar to early in the season. I mean, buck that I killed out in North Dakota in 2016 is a really good example because it was a spot out there where the farmer had just, for whatever reason, didn't get to his cornfield. So it was standing corn right next to a pick cornfield. I mean, I was seeing the night I killed my buck that, you know, it was four years ago, I saw like 70 deer. And then the next year, come late season, I was like, you know, had that marked, let's go get out there. And both were just plowed over fields, probably were planted in beans or something. I don't know. And there was no deer within, you know, like a mile of there. Right. Yeah. So, there was nothing there. <laughs> so yeah, definitely staying up to date on crop rotations and that's going to have a big, big play. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like, especially like the, the public land guys who don't have a, uh, like they have no say in what happens and they don't know exactly what's going on with those fields and whatnot. I think it's more important than ever in those scenarios to get out and scout and make sure like, you know, where the picked corn is and are there standing beans yet? Or is it picked beans or is it alfalfa? What's tilled, what's not tilled and what's been bailed i know this year right. my the farmer on the north side of our property bailed everything so there's like it looks like there's like nothing left up there yeah and really the the trails that were going out to the fields are 
I mean, they're now they're just going out to like, it's almost like mode a mode lawn. Like there's literally no cover out there now. Yeah. So there's just a heck of a lot less travel on my trail cameras. Right. Which um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, the other thing, so I, yeah, I think, I just think it's more important than ever to, to stay mobile and scout. And that's one of the things I do during gun season is I will actually take a day and just kind of spend four or five hours and still hunt, but also like go scout the perimeter of all this public to see what is up, what's not up. Cause sometimes people will plant corn and then they just won't get to it. Right. Yeah. And it'll stay standing or whatever. Yep. Um, what about, uh, what about the second rut? So it's kind of a whole new topic, but it's something that I've never, I've never really had a whole lot of experience with personally, just yeah. because in, in Wisconsin, a lot of times that falls under muzzleloader season and which is the week after gun season. Um, and in theory, it's the first week of December. Yep. Um, or the first or second week of December. And I just, I always feel like the woods are dead, but this year I'm going to be trying to get out to check that out. I mean, for me, it's still, I, I'm not really doing much different. It's still focusing on food sources and hopefully if you're hunting food sources, that's where the does are going to be. And eventually, you know, I mean, it's definitely to me, not like the main, the main deal. I mean, I've talked to people that prefer the second rut more than the first rut and like, you know, not me, but I mean, if you're, (laughs) if you're around does, eventually, hopefully the thought is that, you know, those does that, you know, didn't come, you know, get bred or are going to come through an estrus again. A lot of times it can be the smaller or the younger does. Um, and hopefully that can kick up some activity, you know, and yeah, some bucks going. So, I mean, I, last year I almost killed a buck that was on the tail of two does on December 4th or 5th. Um, but he ended up, ended up not, you know, just didn't, he stood, in, he stood in one spot for an hour watching them feed and then turned around and walked away. Um, oh, <laughs> at 20 yards right where i needed to take three more steps oh, man. almost worked but he was you know right on the tail of two does right um so it can definitely happen you just need to be where the does are and and hopefully it can can bring in a buck that's you know trying to get get that that last doe yeah no i yeah um well i read some article recently that was essentially a deer biologist saying if a doe isn't bred they'll come back into heat every like 28 to 32 days or so something like that yeah and so that essentially means like if they came into heat november 1st they're going to come back into heat essentially december 1st and then january 1st and then february 1st or, or you know and so on until they get bred yeah um and that like you know maybe 70 80 85 90% I don't know what the numbers are but are bred the first time around and yeah. then there's always those stragglers and like you like you mentioned those fawns of the year generally come into heat a month later so mm-hmm. if you got a bunch of fawns on your property that could be you know prime for checking out for big bucks coming through and right they finally come into heat last year I accidentally left a camera out I forgot I even had it to be honest like I put it out there and I was like god I was just walking through my woods one day. I was like, holy shit, there's a camera. (laughs) (laughs) I checked it and pulled it. And I had like every three or four days, a bachelor group of bucks come through um, starting in early January. And 
hunting season in, in our County in Wisconsin goes until January 31st. And they would come through every three to four days. And then like, um, mid January, I got a buck. One of the bucks that was in that group chasing uh, a fawn and yeah. I had multiple pictures of them running through there. Really? So she must have come into heat at that point. I don't right. know why else they'd be expending the energy. Right. No, that's the thing too, when it comes to that second rut, I mean, you could say the same for the first rut, but I'd say it's definitely even more applicable for the, for the second rut is all just about being, you know, you could be, if there's no does that come back into estrus around you, it could be no different than just late season hunting. It could be dead. But if you get that one doe, I mean, it could be, you know, you might have that one doe that comes in estrus and you might have five bucks on her ass. And then, you know, then you're like, Oh my God, the second round's amazing. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's all about just being in that right exact spot at the right time, which I feel like is a smaller chance of that happening come the first week of December than the first week of November, obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I also, I would also think like at that point, you know, say you have like, say you're at a bar and there's 20 women to choose from and then and that's on friday night and then you go in there on saturday night and you only have five to choose from yeah. you know like it's just a, a bigger concentration of bucks yep. facing that dough and they're just you know yeah um, they're more keyed in on that and they're still you know men are men right yeah <laughs> so they're still keyed in on on trying yeah. to find that love um so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's exactly how you say if is if you're in it, man, you're in it. If you're not, yeah. you're not. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and that goes the same with the food sources as well. So maybe that maybe your best odds are just looking for those food sources where those does are gonna be and hopefully planning out right and not necessarily giving up that first week of December or whatever, like getting back at it. I don't know. Yeah. When's Minnesota's gun season? right now um, it? yeah it started like the seventh and it goes through i think this weekend's the last last weekend okay so it's like gotcha. three weekends two weeks really yeah i didn't know that ours is only nine days yeah it sucks i mean i guess <laughs> i don't really hunt where you can rifle like you know in the city you can't rifle hunt so i avoid all that anyway but yeah so you're just like whatever yeah but <laughs> there's a lot of deer out there being killed yeah did i yeah for sure. Um, yeah, this year, so gun season's opening this weekend. I think this is going to air on Monday, so it'll be gun season when this airs. And um, I'm kind of torn. We have we have a property, one other piece of property between us and public land. So one of the things that I'm hopeful of is that, you know, hey, if we don't put a lot of pressure, and I know my neighbors, my neighbor on the property between us and the public he mm -hmm. hunts opening day and that's it. Yeah. And he's pretty like, he's pretty lenient. He's like, yeah, if you see a deer on my property and it's a good buck, you better shoot it. I'll be pissed if you aren't, <laughs> if you don't. So he's really, he's super cool about it all. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't really care. So he has that piece that doesn't get a whole lot of pressure. And then our piece, and if I keep pressure low on our piece and then they go up to the neighboring pieces, which do get pressure, I'm thinking, you know, maybe if I don't put, I know my dad is a fan of doing deer drives. Maybe yeah. if I can talk him out of doing that <laughs> or I have him do deer drives in like bad areas. He's not, he's not a big hunter. Yeah. So he'll be like, let's do a drive. They're not moving. You know, he'll sit for an hour and be like, deer aren't moving. What do you yep. want to do? 
<laughs> you know, and, uh, and I'll be like, well, you know, we could just sit a little longer, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he generally wants to do a drive. And if I can avoid him or point him towards a poor area to do a drive where like, ah, maybe we'll kick out a doe or something. It's not really like a, a nice thick bedding area or something. Right. Satisfy his, his thirst to see deer um, and not have that pressure on the property and then late season rolls around or the second week and I can get better opportunity, um, for that second rut in that time frame. Right. Trying to, trying to balance that out family relationships. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, all right. Well, is there, you know, we kind of covered, covered food sources in late season, covered your Nebraska hunt. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch base on it all or any other thoughts that you have for late season that have been extremely helpful for you? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just, honestly, it's just staying like mentally in the game. Cause a lot of people, you know, I, can't, I would say a lot of people write off late season. I'd say a lot of people know it can be good, but don't hunt that hard. I don't know. Like for me, I've killed half my bucks in the month of December and yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's just staying in it because it can, especially if you are, if you're able to hunt a lot or even if you're not, and you just, you know, when it comes to late season, a lot of people are just, they're tired, worn out. You know, if you got family, you know, you've been hunting for a while, it's just like time to get back to, you know, reality Life. almost. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Got all the holidays in there, but it can be, it's definitely my, like my most productive month of hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so sure. it's, do you quit? Do you stop hunting like at all? Or do you just always hunt pretty much every weekend and every chance there's decent weather? Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I mean, I, like after Nebraska, I can't, I took a day off and then got back after it. And then, you know, around a here, yeah. <laughs> proud, proud of you for having that life, Alex. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Or like, I'm very lucky, but you know, a lot of people it could just be, it could mean hunting those weekends. You know, I actually, yeah. Like this time of year, I'm taking, you know, it's like my girlfriend who I live with is a teacher. And so her weekends, you know, are kind of the time now where I'm spending with her and I'm, you know, lucky with what I do for work. I can hunt during the week. So I'm hunting like two, three days during the week and then not even not hunting the weekends. You know, for most people, I would say it's probably the opposite. If you can slip out a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon, you know, I do it. Just keep doing it until, until you can't hunt anymore. Right. Until, yeah. <laughs> or until the wife kicks you out. <laughs> yeah. One of the two. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it is. It is hard. It's hard managing that time and that relationship. And like, you know, for me, this will be my fourth weekend that I've been gone in a row from home for gun season. Yeah. And, um, and I have a son, my wife's pregnant. And so she's kind of like, well, whatever, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> yep. So, so I'm like, all right. Does that mean I can go next weekend too? <laughs> yeah. Um, but now we have Thanksgiving plans and, and yeah, like generally that December timeframe is eaten up for me from just uh, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and just spending some time at home. But thankfully I have a whole nother month of January to get out and hunt. Yeah. So, nice. And I would encourage like there's counties all over Wisconsin that have that capability. So, mm-hmm. cause I mean, it's funny because the, public land outside my house like i can do a parking lot in five minutes or a parking lot in like 30 minutes 
and it's all pretty much one continu- continuous piece. Nice. Half of it I can haunt until the 31st. The other half I can't just okay. because they're in different counties. Counties, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just getting out and finding finding those counties that give you that opportunity if you're still in it, you know? And some people, like right. you said, just kind of want to throw in the towel. Like, oh, yeah. I tried. I'm done. The rut's over. I'm done. You know? Yep. Maybe I'll sneak out one time, but that's it. Um, yeah. But, yep. All right. Well, that's it, guys. That's all I got. Good tips, Alex. I appreciate you hopping on, man. Um, again, guys, go find him, Whitetail DNA, um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Go make that subscription. Just watch, yeah. watch Alex hunt. Watch him, watch him see these giant bucks. In Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nebraska video will be coming uh, the week that this drops. It should. Anyway, okay. So perfect Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Alex. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it.